0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Big Apple Hockey. It is a great day to be here because I'm in Arizona right now. And as you can see in my thing, congratulations to Anna Williams, who will be graduating in about three hours. So I can't wait to check that out. I, of course, am the proud godfather of said Anna Williams. And I'm joined by the man who is exploring Hyrule thoroughly, Mr. John Volkowski.
1: Feverishly, but yes, this game is addicting.
0: I agree with you 100% on that. And the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Anthony LaRocco.
2: Um, Mark, how many times are we going to play the Mark messed up uh, animation today?
0: Hopefully none. I would prefer that we don't have to play the Mark messed up animation. Uh, I think Anthony uh, should get the Anthony
1: messed up one today, though, because he's uh, he's a little uh, presumptuous there with that buy Arizona thing.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's we're going to be talking a lot about that. There's a lot of stuff we have to cover it's, today on the, on the show. Uh, obviously, yes, Arizona. By the way, everybody, don't forget, make sure you hit that like button for us to uh, like, share, and subscribe. But we're going to start with the A Block, of course, talking about the Rangers and the Islanders. And uh, starting with the pretty damning words that came out of the Rangers on their exit interviews as we were covering this week and uh, still doing some of the season wrap-ups on BigAppleHockey.com. Uh, we have the Rangers one up there right now and going to get the Islanders one up with is co-written by the man that's right down there. And of course the A block is powered by Geek, and I'll be using that because I'm going to Dallas after this to check out the Stars versus the Golden Knights game three. I think that's the one I'm having but, folk, we talked about this. It was a pretty damning uh, exit interviews that basically the, the players were just asking for help. Like, what do you make out of this?
1: Well, that that wasn't really said in the exit interviews. It was Larry Brooks that actually came out and said that after the fact. But the exit interviews, the big problem was if you saw Jacob Trubas, he gave a nothing burger answer about Gerard Galat. Uh, I mean, he stopped just short of eviscerating him, basically. Uh, I thought he was about to do it. He didn't. But um, he just did, it, it just said nothing. And I think the silence actually spoke louder than him actually berating Gallant or saying something derogatory about him. Um, you know, sometimes they say silence is louder. And that's what happened. And, and Truba, when asked about Gallant, was basically like, yeah. And that was it. (laughs) And and that's a really bad sign. Um, I said that Garland had lost the team twice this season um, with the helmet throw and then in the playoffs. And I I, I think that was just confirmed by Trouba's answer. Um, So Larry Brooks came out yesterday and wrote an article and said that the sense that was – you know, uh, coming from people within the organization, is that the players were asking for help when that series went south against Jersey, and that's a really, really bad sign. We all know that Gerard Gallant is a players' coach, but he's also very hands-off and laid-back, and he's not a big X's and O's guy. So, what I think happened, and this is speculation, this is just me connecting the dots. I think Jacob Trouba probably went to Chris Drury after. Uh, a certain point in the series, and he said that Gerard Gallant is <laughs> not making the adjustments. Um, they need some help, and th- there needs to be an adjustment in the style of play. Gallant probably just threw it at the players' feet, which he did. He called them soft, said that they needed more of an effort. Yet yeah, he might have been right. He might have been right in that sense because I again I called them out for being cowardly and not really doing anything, but. Your leader, your coach is supposed to be your biggest leader. You know, your captain and your coach are supposed to be the two guys that are really supposed to steer the ship when the ship starts to go wrong. And Gallant did not do that. And I believe that the shouting match happened after Game Four because Truba went to Drury and said this, and then Drury, unhappy, completely unhappy with the Game Four effort, came out. And went to the coaching staff after. Yes, thank you, Pete. The players are responsible for their effort, but the coach ultimately has to get the players prepared. And I don't want to mm-hmm. hear anything about, oh, you're paid millions of dollars if you can't get up for a playoff game, then you know that that's that says more about you. No. The 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 players are responsible for their efforts, but the coach is responsible for having everything else prepared to put the players in the best possible su- uh, position to succeed as a team. And Gerard Gallant did not do that on multiple occasions with this team, and their their slow starts, their inconsistent efforts throughout these two seasons, um, and the repeated trends of those two things really show that Gerard Gallant did not have his hand on this team, and that's bad. So. Jury had it out with the coaching staff after game four. And, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to put these dots together. But mm. if, you, if I was a betting man, I would put a lot of good money on this having to be the case and how this all unfolded. Because there's no way that the players are going to come out and, some, and anonymously, ugh, anonymously say something to someone like Larry Brooks and say, oh, we needed help. Yeah, I mean, they're, not that they had to say it but there was definitely something going on back there. And there was a major disconnect between the coaching staff and the players and the general manager got involved. And if the general manager had to get involved to, to kind of really escalate this, then that's really, really bad on the coaching staff. So um, I, I can see this, why this happened. It's an, it's an indictment on Gerard Gallant and, you know what, I'll give him his told him so, uh, I'll told you so a moment. But Stephen Steven said that when they hired Gallant that this guy only lasts for two, maybe three years at most. Yep. And he was right, and we're, now we're seeing why. And this is actually another good point here. Gallant was only one or two losses away. I think he was one loss away. In I, December, definitely. Yeah, in December, yeah, definitely. That that If they would have lost that game after the helmet throw – I think he might have been fired at that point.
0: And it looked like they were going to. It was against St. Louis.
1: Yeah, because they, they, they
0: were able to they, come back in that
1: game. And they were able to come back and win that game. And, and that would, that was the game that everything started to right the ship a little bit. But if they had lost that game and they lost it in, in bad fashion, like they were looking like they were on the way to doing, Gerard Gallant would have had to get another taxi out of New York to go back home mm-hmm. because that, that would have been the end of his tenure as a Rangers coach. So um,
0: look, I think it's sorry. actually finish your point. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to say, I was just going to leave it off as this cause I've went on for too long already, but you, you can't have a coach like that with a soft leadership group. And I'm not going to take away any blame from the players because the players absolutely deserve to get their, their kicks or their licks rather, for the cowardly efforts that they gave throughout various parts of that series and throughout the inconsistent tenure of Gallant in New York. So the players, they're definitely to blame, but do your job as a coach. That's what you're paid to do. And I mean, this, this comment from, hold, no, that, that was not the comment I wanted to highlight. This comment here from DP. So was Gallant basically stealing money by not coaching and just letting the players
0: go do his thing? I mean, if you want to consider it that, then sort of, yeah, then he, I guess you could say that. was more about installing culture and stuff like that. Going back to some of our first uh, criticisms about David Quinn, when we first started this channel, Phil, you know, just because you got a Ferrari doesn't mean anything. If you got a drunk driver behind the wheel, the driver has to do something with it. And if it's not the players doing that, it's, you know, it's gotta be the coach driving it. Wouldn't you agree, Anthony?
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Uh, obviously, they they need they need direction. Um, as Mo's saying here, I mean, he seems like he's putting more of the responsibility on the players. Um. Which which I get it. Gallant Gallant didn't do a good job, but um. You can't the the, the effort that the Rangers put in in a lot of games of the series is, is inexcusable. Um. It just it's just fact. Um. So it was kind of like a a perfect storm of of stuff coming together where something was going to implode for the Rangers. And in this case, that was Gerard Gallant losing his job. But, um, you know, as Phil said, stat boy Steven said, it seems like he had a shelf life two to three two to three seasons, and that's what he's been following lately. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to land somewhere else if he wants to coach again this season. I think another team will give him a shot. But um, overall, you know, I just think his biggest issue was he has no system. What was the guy's system or identity? He, he, didn't, he didn't have one. And I, I think at many times during the season, you saw that was the case. So I think the Rangers um, are going to be a lot different of a team with a new coach in place that actually employs more of a X and O style system and, and attention to detail. I think that's going to make a huge difference. And then on top of that, I think Chris Shorty is going to make some changes. But um, overall, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised by the move at all. Um, and I, I think it was the right move. I do think they needed a new voice, and you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there. Peter Laviolette is one out there. You know, Mike Best's name has been surfacing again, uh, not just with the Rangers, other teams. I mean, Elliot Friedman mentioned he thinks Columbus talked to him. Um, you know, some teams feel that he might have changed his ways a little bit, but uh, at the end of the day, the point is there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches out there the Rangers could choose from. They can even go from within with Knobloch. So. I'm interested in, to see, uh, you know, which direction they go. And you got to imagine as the calendar gets closer to June, they're going to want their coach in place to start preparing for, you know, the off season. I'm sure they're going to want their coach in place uh, by the time the draft comes, especially. Yeah, so, just um, We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. But um, overall, I think it was the right move to get rid of them. And, um, you know, but with that said, again, I think the players take a lot of responsibility on this, too, because they simply were not good.
0: It's, it's remarkable how much people are putting this on the players. And when they put it, it, it sounds like you can't have both. Yeah, you can, you can't have both. If it's it, both things can be true. He didn't coach well enough and the players do have the bear some responsibility. So just because we're saying that the coach had to be fired doesn't mean that the players don't have the responsibility because they should have, they should have done more played better. But as, as we said all along, if you could tell me what their system was, good luck, because it's it's remarkable. And Ariana's saying it right here: no structure, no game plan, no forecheck. Any coach worth anything can uh, can oh, out coach Stroh Duron Durward Goon pretty easily. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And look again, I wish Goan all the best in his next venture. I I I, I don't say that like mockingly. I thought the guy did a good job, but he's a short-term coach. Everybody knows this. And yeah. um, sort of like Mike Keenan was a short is always a short-term coach. Mark, who What's was cool. who was
1: the guy that I compared him to in another sport in terms of coaching? Oh,
0: actually, I forgot on this one, Phil. How are you forgetting this one? Oh, Buck Walter.
1: There you go. I was going to say, yeah. he's the manager. It's like, how can you forget this? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're talking uh, about a guy who – Usually and, – and Bucks turned organizations around left and right. Yeah. Galant has done well to, to make his mark in New York, Vegas, and to a lesser extent, Florida. But, I mean, now you're looking – just his teams can't get over the hump because it seems like he gets them to – there's the, such a thing as being a regular season coach and being a playoffs coach. And, and just keep in mind, Egros has right. covered up a lot of uh, faults.
1: Yeah, so, he, he did. Awesome. Uh, you're definitely right about that. Uh, I I I'm gonna uh, I, uh, this one. I really want to talk about because uh, I, I, I I think it's Lobby a lot. I I just think that you're gonna have a hard time selling James Dolan on Chris Knoblock right now. And not only <laughs> that, a lot of pressure to put on a rookie coach to have him come in to a team that has to win and has to win almost immediately. Yes there's there was a very very small time frame for this team to win because when igor shesterkin's contract is up you're going to have to pay him uh, upwards of at least eight and a half million if not more i would say maybe even closer to 10 depending on if he wants to stay here or not and if they they get him back under contract before he hits the market but you got to worry about that um Also Dolan has been wanting to win everything that we've seen over the last two years from Dolan is we want to win. We want to win now. All moves that have been made. So I, I I don't, I don't think it's going to be someone from the AHL, even though maybe long-term Knobloch might be the best solution. Uh, I mean, from everything that they've said about Knobloch, that the players down there respect him. He has a good system. Hartford is actually doing really well considering the pieces that they have. They're in the conference finals, um, I believe. Mm. So they're, they're going – they're playing very, very well. And not only that, but having some of those guys come up over the next few years would actually have a, a, breed, a sense of familiarity and would be good for player development because it shows you that Knobloch is good with young guys, which this team needs going forward because the last two coaches – have not done very well with young talent on this team. They've actually almost ruined some of the important young talent on this team.
0: So I've oh got semi final Sorry about that. I, and I, by the way, the, uh, uh, as far as Malblok goes, or sorry, as far as Laviolette goes, I'm sorry, you can look at all Laviolette's teams and you could see he had good production out of wingers, some of them who you didn't expect. Victor Arvidsson, great under Laviolette. Uh, Sean Bakes, uh when he was with the Islanders, he was very good on the LaViolette. Um, it's just, it's going to be interesting. Anthony, last word. Who's going to be the Rangers coach?
2: Um, i put him in this spot. I, I, it's hard because a lot of, like, for instance, with LaViolette, um, you know, he's kind of in the mix for other teams that want him too. So it's hard to, I, I mean, I, My gut says La Violette um, ultimately because, you know, it's New York and, you know, they got some star players there, obviously, might make the job appealing to them. Um, But a piece of me thinks Knobloch's in real consideration as well. But a gun to my head right now, I'll say La Violette. But I I won't be surprised if it's Knobloch.
0: All right. Well, we're going to go from the Rangers, who are in transition, to a team – that may not be in transition, but first to word from DraftKings. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, guys, going across town to the Islanders where it looks like all signs are pointing to Lou getting an extension and Lane Lambert returning. Uh, there's been various reports on this. I'm, I, I think Andrew Gross reported on this one, Anthony. Yes. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Good. Yeah, he was. So yeah. my question to you is what are your thoughts on this and is this the right move for the Islanders? Well, I can't say I'm surprised.
2: I think any Islander fan who was kind of hoping that Lou was going to leave was, was, you know, wishful thinking. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, ownership obviously really, really respect him. They have a lot of faith in him. Um, and don't get me wrong, he's certainly flawed. Uh, um, but when you look at what he's done so far with the Islanders, turning everything around um, into a professional organization again, and what other, what has he been here since eighteen nineteen? Was that uh, five, six years now? i don't know my math mm-hmm. bad, but um, he's made. He's only missed the playoffs once during that two conference final trips. So I don't think ownership really had any doubt of not offering him a contract. So, again, yeah, not surprised that he's returning. Um, I thought maybe if Lou didn't return, then maybe Lane Lambert wouldn't. But I think now that Lou's is coming back, um, I think that almost certainly assures that Lane Lambert's coming back. I mean, it's, it would be hard for him to oust the coach who, you know, made the playoffs in his first year as a head coach in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, losing your most talented player um, for a long time in Barzell, and, and still getting into the playoffs. Um, so I think I think he's going to be back too. Which again, I'm on the fence about him. I mean, I, I'm I'm really meh about Lane Lambert. I don't I don't like him. I don't hate him. Um, but I think they're going to give him another year to see to see what he could do. Um, but again, in, in regards to Lou, again, I'm I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm not surprised he's coming back. He holds all the cards. Um, you know, he's getting old, uh, one day he'll decide he doesn't want to do it anymore and he'll step away and, and who knows, maybe, maybe that's another year from now. And he transitions to just the president role and gives up the GM role. But for now, um, you know, he, he's in charge of this team and, um, you know, it is what it is. So he's, he's got his, he's got his work cut out for him now and see what he could do uh, in terms of the roster and, and tinker with it. But one thing I'll say about Lou Morello before we move on is how much, how much the the players respect him. And I think that goes a long way with ownership again, wanting to keep him on board. I mean, at the end of the year, Zach Parise, in his exit interview, he said that he believes that every, you know, young player coming into the NHL should play for a Lou run team at some point, because, um, he said just, he's that incredible of a person to work for. Um, and the things he does for players off the ice, uh, He's just, he's just really well-respected, and I think the players love him. Um, so I don't think ownership had any warning signs of – similar with Gallant where players saying, hey, you know, we need to get rid of this guy. I don't think the players have any concern with Louis Moreau. I think they all love him. And, you know, like I said, it's his team. So he's got his work to do. A um, couple free agents try to resign, you know, make some moves here or there for the team. Better or worse, lose back, and only him knows when he wants to, you know, when he wants to hang him up. He's he always said that age to him doesn't really mean much that he still feels good and he's going to do it as long as he continues to love it and feel good. So (laughs) it is what it is. It's his
0: show. Well, when you got a track record of three Stanley Cups and probably the greatest American general manager of all time, I don't think there's probably about it. You get to call your shot when you're leaving. Phil. I, yeah, I I get it.
1: I I didn't think they were going to get rid of him. Um, I think if they would have missed the playoffs, I think there would have been a serious discussion about it. Um, and yeah. I, it would have been one of those situations where they would have given him the option to to say, oh, you know, I'm stepping down at that point. And I, I don't think they – there's no way that there, you're ever going to see the word fired next to his name. No. It's not no. happening. It's not. It's just not. Um, Lane Lambert, <coughs> with Anthony on this, I mean – yeah, he got them to the playoffs. I, I, I don't I'm not really sold on him. Um yes mm-hmm. he's better than Todd Reardon was, who was another Trotz protege who had a head coaching job after Barry Trotz left uh Washington. And I mean I, I, I guess he's better than that, but that's not really saying a whole lot because I don't even I think Reardon's an assistant again now, somewhere else. Yeah, In Pittsburgh, very long. I
2: think. He yeah, that's where well
1: yeah, he didn't last long either. Um, but I, to me, I, I will say this. I don't know if Lou Lamorello coming back is the best move for that franchise. I, I think that they need a younger, fresher mind in there. Um, I, I think Lamorello's best days are far behind him. I think some of the moves that he's made over the last few years have really put the Islanders in a bind. You had to lose guys like Devon how did you keep Josh Bailey over Jordan Everly? You, you really, or or Cal Clutterbuck or Matt Martin? Like you, you, you got rid of the guy that had the best chemistry with your, your star center, your young star center at that point. Um, I, I think the contract that they gave Matt Barzal is a little, little on the pricey side. I get why they had to do it, but I, I, I still think for the production. And the player that he is, I think it's just a little pricey. I, I think that the Romanov trade was not a great trade. I think giving up a first rounder for Alex Romanov was just way too expensive, unless you feel that he could become a stud defenseman. And I, I just don't see that. I don't. I, I see, I see a capable four, five, maybe even a three if he has some unexpected spike in development somewhere, but I think we're past the point of him being this, you know, being um, somebody that you have on the radar for, you know, having a spike in development at this point. Um, I just think that I think Lou Lamorello, I think it's, I just, I think it's past prime. I think, I think he should hang them up. I, I think he's had a great career, one of the best ever, but I think it's at the point where I think you need a fresh mind and a new direction with this team. Cause I, I do think there have been some very, very questionable decisions over the last few <laughs> years. That if they weren't made or they were made differently, I think this Islander team would be an, a, even in a better spot right now than they are. And I think you would be looking at them as one of the powerhouses in the Eastern conference.
0: Well, I do think they need to infuse some youth into this team and Right now, I don't think that's what Blue's objective is. I think that's where, it's, it's where the difficult part is. Are the Islanders closer to being a non-playoff team or a contending team? And that's a question that's going to have to be answered because there isn't exactly much in the pipeline, Anthony. There are at least in I'm seeing. And I know William DeFore, everybody's talking about him. And I know you're saying Samuel Bulldog looks like he's going to be a full-timer next year. And, it, you know, Ajo did take a step forward, I thought, and, um, I mean, the jury's still out on Robin Sala. Also, we're going to talk about Oliver Wallstrom later in Bartok, because they're going to need some production at AM. But th- they're going to have to find a way to get younger and faster and more production out of their wings. Because I think they're set at the center position for a long time, especially when Brock Nelson probably gets, is going to re-sign and finish his career as an Islander. Um,
2: all right, you- uh, that, that was it. You're muted, Anthony. Oh, that was it. I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, what I, I don't think you know, Lou views, you know, he mentioned, are they, are they closer to being a contender or non playoff team? And, um, I think Lou, obviously he's old, but I think he always wants to win, um, and win now. As, as long as it's horribly apparent that your team sucks, then yeah, you know, he'd be one to to rebuild, but. Um, You know, I think when you look around the National Hockey League, you know, the the Florida Panthers were the 16th team in the playoffs and they're in the conference finals. You know, Seattle was one win away from going to the conference final. And I think Lou looks at this team and says that, you know, anything can happen in the National Hockey League. And I I don't so I don't think he views his team as like kind of on that bubble. I think year after year he's going to try to go for it. Um, And but you're right. He does need to inject some youth in the lineup. Um, there are, you know, there are, you have some guys that are, you know, on, on the wrong side of 30, albeit, you know, still producing, you know, Brock Nelson is seemingly getting better as he gets older, which doesn't make any, yeah. any sense, but, um, you know, so I, I think, I think Lou views it, when he looks at his team, I think he says, I think he believes that he's, that his team has just as so much of a chance of winning as anybody else, right or wrong. I think that's his, that's how he views things. Um, and you know, even him, the When they made the trade for Bo Horvat, they weren't in a playoff spot. You know, so I, I just think that's the way he kind of looks at things. And I think this off season, um, he's going to try to get the team faster. I do think he really does acknowledge that how he does it. I don't know. I mean, he has yes, he has some work to do out to, in that regard. But because um, a lot of the forwards are signed for next year, there's only we think maybe if if Zach Parise doesn't come back, there's maybe one spot over. Open and that's already kind of ticketed to Oliver Wallstrom. So if he again, if he wants to tinker with some forwards, he needs to get creative. And you know, last off season he talked about getting better through hockey trades. He didn't do that. Does he do it this year? I don't know, but um, I, I think he's good at something. The question is can he? His track record lately is does not much in the summer and during the season when he makes his moves. You know, Pajot was mid season, Palmieri was mid season, Horvat's mid season. You look at his summer moves. What are they, Romanoff? He doesn't really do much in free agency during the summer. So and will that's that change this offseason? You know? I, I don't know, but um, I do think he's he's gonna try to do something because I think they right now. You look at it, yeah, close to seven million dollars of cap space. You say to yourself, oh, well, you know that's good, but then you consider you have to re-sign or replace Scott Mayfield. One of the two that's gonna cost some money. Um, you know, what, what do you do with Oliver Walsh? I know he's not going to break the bank, but he needs to be resigned. Sam Bolduc needs to be resigned. Um, so again, I, I, it's going to be interesting, um, to see what he does. Uh, I think Josh Bailey's certainly gone. I think if he can't, if he can't trade him, he's certainly going to buy him out, which will give them about two and a half million dollars of cap space. So yeah, uh, it's his team again, and he's got some work to do.
0: Now, there was also a post on All Things Islanders written by uh, one Anthony Larocco saying that Vladimir Tarasenko could be a target.
2: Yeah, so after Tarasenko was traded, Elliot Friedman, which I think we talked about briefly in the show, that Tarasenko said he wanted to be traded to the Rangers, Islanders, or Devils. Um, You know, the Devils are going to be facing down the barrel of handing out $8 million contracts to Brett and – uh, Meyer, you know, the Rangers are, you know, similarly the Islanders, they got some other stuff cooking in the pressure cooker, you know, don't have a ton of cap space. so Who knows what's going to happen there. So I think if the Islanders can move Josh Bailey and, you know, get that number of cap space up, I think Tarasenko would come there. It's just a matter of, you know, do the Rangers re-sign him first? Or can the Islanders trade Josh Bailey? We'll see. But I do think he would come there if the Islanders approached him. So we'll, we'll, We'll have to see, you know, what it comes down to. And one thing, this 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 is for the Rangers too, not just the Islanders or any team that signs them. Tarasenko made $7 million this past season on – well, has been making $7 million. is um, not getting $7 million again at 31 years old. I, I think no. you're probably looking at, at this point in his career, maybe $5 million on a three- or four-year deal. But he's not getting anywhere near $7 million. So I think he'll be relatively affordable for whoever wants him.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of term that you're going to have to give out. He's 31 years old. And that's kind of the way that I'm looking at that. Phil, one last word because it looks like you're ready to say something.
1: I was going to say with Tarasenko, three of his last four seasons have been either subpar or injury filled. Um, obviously, in 21, 22, he had that career year offensively with 80, what, 84 points, I think? It was. 84 points, yeah. Yeah. So. That, that's another thing. You, you, you're looking at a guy who obviously his best years are behind. Uh, I, I still think he could be a 60-point player, maybe even a 70-point guy, but he's not going to be an 80-point player again, and his numbers are only going to go downhill from here. So why are you going to give – why, or why is anybody, rather, going to give $7 million or anywhere near that to a guy who's had, what, three, two, three shoulder surgeries on a shooting shoulder? Uh, I mean, I'm surprised I got that without getting tongue twisted, but I mean, (laughs) you know, like I I just don't see it. I I really don't. Uh, I have a hard time seeing that. I think he's going to get a nice, like Anthony said, five. Okay. I could see that maybe five and a half. Does some team overpaying give him 6 million? Possibly. You never know. It's free agency. That, that kind of stuff always happens, but uh, the term that he's looking for yeah, uh, he'll he'll he's gonna price himself out of out of the Rangers' range, and then, I mean, I'll I'll just say this while we're on Patrick Kane real quick because I just see this right here. I don't think he Patrick Kane even four million. If he wants to come back to the Rangers like he said he did in his exit interview, mm-hmm. I, I think that you're looking at maybe a two to three million dollar deal for one year for him, and he comes back and proves it. But he has to have whatever surgery that needs to be done. That has to happen first and that hasn't been decided yet. So if mm-hmm. he has that done this offseason and has it done soon, then I would look out for him to sign a deal with the Rangers on a, on a short-term deal,
0: on a prove-it deal. All right. Well, guys, if you happen to notice, there's a bar right behind me. Can't wait to attack that <laughs> later tonight. Yeah, I was actually – I had a to faceboard towards the pools and the palm trees, but I'm just like, yeah, you know what, I'll just I'll go with the bar. because the Yeah, way- why would you not – why would you not do that? That scenery is so much better. This is so much better, so I have to go with that because that's where we're heading, everybody. Let's do some bar talk.
2: <laughs> Shot. This is the easiest
1: cyber to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe.
0: I'm actually gonna go crazy. I'm gonna buy everybody around on this one. You know what? I was so enthusiastic to get the bar talk. I forgot about one more thing, guys, because. Stop me if you heard me say this before, but ESPN hates hockey. They went from – they aired the full 9-1 blowout between the Cardinals and the Red Sox. They missed three goals in the Western Conference uh, semifinals, it should be. So there's – if you want to say that's a mistake. And Vegas ends up eliminating Edmonton. Phil, why does ESPN hate the NHL? I,
1: I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um what how do you do that you have a playoff game and you air the entirety of a blowout regular season game in the middle of may over a playoff game in the nhl that you just this, this is yeah. this crap all over again from the stephen a smith um i don't even know what her name was that was molly
0: kermit
1: molly oh whatever screw her i don't care um <laughs> But, oh, no. yeah, I I don't even care about that. But it's, it's 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 same it's the same crap all over again. It's just oh yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna put hockey in the backseat. It's almost like you know what? Um, I'm, I'm I'm like wishing for NBC to have hockey back at this point because at least they cared yeah. about it. They put in the effort. You know what? I wanted. It's like we all wanted a fresh like fresh new look and renovation but the production is garbage for the NHL. It's never like that for the NFL or anything else that they do, but it's garbage for the NHL. Uh, They don't care. Their their on-air personalities trash the NHL, and they do nothing to put these on-air personalities in their places and tell them, hey, you know what? We're we're supposed to be promoting this, not bashing it on our TV because we're we think we're the sports version of Jerry Springer or Howard Stern. Shot value, yeah, that's real shocking. <laughs> a bunch of stupid analysts at ESPN bashing the sport that they're supposed to promote because they got a big TV deal for it. It's stupid. Absolutely and on stupid.
0: top of that, on top of that, Phil, you get that they don't care half the time, and then you get whenever a team goes on the power play, they care too much. Look over there. We got to put a cursor over every single player. We got to show where the puck is. Where's the dashboard? It's goalie. You got to point out some fucking fans. These are, it, it's so ridiculous what they do. Because, like, and thank God TNT has the Stanley Cup finals this year. I don't want to see ESPN. Lord. And especially, I'm, I'm and look, they, they at least, I've heard Levy calling games, I've heard Butcher Gross calling games. But look, I'm not here to trash on our personalities, but but I've had enough of Sean McDonough. He, he's 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 not a hockey guy. He just isn't. He's,
1: uh,
0: I didn't like him in '98 Nagano in when he was doing those games. So that that's it as far as that goes. But I mean, there the ESPN. This is such a joke. It's oh, a playoff this
1: game. This was bad too. Oof.
0: oh yeah, John Anderson. John Anderson uh, making the joke. Uh, what's White Cloud? It looks like, uh, sounds like a great name for a toilet paper. Now, granted, he kind of said it just at the wrong time. It's like, look, guys, just it, it, just switch it to a different sport. Are you making that same joke when it comes to the NBA, NFL? No. No, of course no. not. Anthony, why does ESPN hate hockey?
2: It's, know, it's, let's face it. The NBA and the NFL, baseball, are always going to be ahead of the NHL, even though the NHL is on fine. their network now. It's just, it's just how it is. Um, so for me, a lot of this stuff doesn't. I don't even get a reaction from it because it's. I've been a hockey fan all my life, and I'm used to you know ESPN kind of just you know brushing hockey off. So for me, it's just another day. Meh.
0: All right. I guess that's well said. So now I have to just ramp the energy up right back to say, welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying a round, or are you just so-so, have a beer, or, oh, dear God, give me a shot. And then uh, also just keep in mind, why go to the liquor store when you can just have the liquor store come to you, make it a drizzly night. And I will actually get their ad up right there. And uh, everybody, let's start with the first one. And also, once again, Big Apple Hockey Trucker Hats are available. Go on eBay and check them out. The link is below. Phil, Ryan Lindgren, he's got two more years remaining at $3 million per. He's one of the few Rangers that doesn't have a no-move clause or a no-trade clause or anything else like that. The Rangers need to move on from Ryan Lindgren this offseason
1: shot the only place that they need to move him is is to the second pair he's just not a top pairing defenseman. this has been proven for a few years now he's been getting by by being adam fox's best friend and and basically the jeff boonka boom to his brian lee but ryan Lindgren is not someone that they need to be moving that that would be terrible that's that's a guy that's really a heart and soul player on this team he plays through injuries. I mean, and he actually plays somewhat well. Unlike the guy right. who wore the captaincy, played injured and was atrocious when he was playing injured and refused to get out of the lineup. Um, there's there's no reason to sell Ryan Lindgren. If anything, the Rangers need to move him to the to this. I would say the second pairing. They need to find a legitimate complement to Adam Fox on the top pairing, and. If, I would say they need to move other cap before they move
0: Ryan Lindgren. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't want to move Ryan Lindgren. I think for $3 million, you're getting a hell of a defenseman. Uh, I made the joke a long time ago. He makes Chuck Norris look like a wuss, and that's how tough he is. He is tough as nails. The reason why this is even up there right now is because, look – the Rangers might have to move some cap this year. Now, there's two guys you can look at specifically in uh, Ryan, Ryan Lindgren and Barkley Goudreau that they could move to free up some cap space. Uh, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it with, with, with almost either one of those guys. I know Goudreau's got so much left on, on a deal. I don't think they're going to be able to move either one of them. And now, would I move Lindgren? No, I don't think I will. I'll just say it like that. Anthony.
2: flesh, flesh the Mark messed up animation because you said he's got two years left. You, when you look at Cap Friendly, technically the end of the year it didn't happen yet. So it's still reflected as two years. It's this, this is the last year of his contract coming up. So he has one year left, Mark. Mark messed up. But, um, no, that's not worthy of a word, Mark messed up. It, 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 that it is. All, it is. It is actually. Uh, it's all a big right. Difference. All right. All right. Two years of one year is a big difference. Um, no, but they don't, let's, it's a shot. They don't need to move him. But, um, unlike Barkley Goudreau where, you know, you may have to pay a little bit, to get someone to take him. Ryan Lingren, they can get some good assets for if they moved him and they, you know, free up some cap space for, you know, future years. But, you know, he is the heart and soul of the team. I think moving a guy like him would probably hurt the locker room a lot. But, um, at Mark, you did reference at some point, you know, they may have to kind of ship some cap out, and he would just be the easiest to move because you wouldn't need to attach anything to him to move him. Teams would just welcome him. So that's the part that at least kind of makes you go, eh. But it's a shot overall.
0: And um, also just to go into the just a little bit more of that thought, $3 million, if I'm uh, a GM and I could get Ryan Lindgren for $3 million, I will take it uh, for like a third round, maybe a second round draft pick at the most. But Philip, you had one more thought.
1: I would say one thing regarding to this. Um, I would not want to see this team <coughs> repeat itself with, the same mistakes that they made with guys like Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi and Ryan Lindgren is far is younger than they were when those guys signed those contracts, but those contracts age poorly. And something tells me that the next contract that they're going to have to give Ryan Lindgren is going to be somewhere in the range of what Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi got like that 5 million range. I don't know if Ryan Lindgren's worth that much, I think he's maybe worth about three and a half to four million. I think he's good where he is. But due to the fact that he's been misplaced, like Michael Roosevelt and Marek Malik were into a top pairing situation due to the lack of true depth there, he might end up commanding that type of money from the Rangers or on the open market. And at that point, I just don't know if he's worth that. So maybe moving him is in the team's best interest sooner than later. But it's still a shot because you're pre- premising this that they need to move him. I don't think they need to move him. I, I-, I do think that they need to take a look at what they want to do because if they think that they're not going to be able to get him signed, kind of a la John Tavares, maybe oh. a preemptive trade would be better better sooner than later and i think it's going to piss off a lot of fans but it may be in the club's best interests
0: all right going over to a guy that we mentioned earlier in the a block oliver wallstrom take a look at his numbers from last year seven goals nine assists 16 points career 32 goals 29 assists and 61 points the islanders need oliver wallstrom to score 20 goals next year
2: Mark we yeah, texted they, about that. We 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 texted about well,
0: this. I we need to produce. I took I put I picked the number. It's but it's still it's still way up. I'll
1: fix it. It's, oh, it's you need to score 20 goals? A layup animation for
2: this one. It's still it's that's why that's why I wanted to get rid of it cuz it's obvious they need him to they you know they're going to need him to finally become the player that everyone thought he could be.
0: Um Oh, actually, you know what? And that's right. I should have fixed it. I was uh, – all I'm right. I'm sorry. Somewhere. I had to take a dump he before we got he's on probably
1: screen. somewhere watching this, and he's probably foaming at the mouth just to yell the words layup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I got the layup for you right here. Um, so, Anthony, go into Wallstrom. That's, that's – uh, yeah. He. You think he's capable of doing this next year? That's when yeah. you should have made this. You should, have,
1: you should have said, is Oliver Wallstrom capable of scoring 20 goals next season? That okay. would have been an actual one that would have been tougher. Not do the Islanders need Oliver Wallstrom to score. Yes. <laughs> that. What, is, what are you asking me if I need air to, to live? <laughs> like That's basically what you're well, asking. Do you need air to live? Do you need air to breathe? Do you need to wipe your ass after you go to the toilet? And take a
2: crap. Watch yeah. out, Philip. That might <laughs> <bit> be hate speech. <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
0: listen, April, his, By the way, first, his,
2: Facebook. His his first year in the league, where he played forty four games, he had twelve goals, and then last and then not this season that just ended, but last year he had thirteen goals. So um, he's a young player, and he, he possesses a tremendous release and wrist shot. So I mean, yeah, I, I think he's certainly capable of scoring twenty goals. It's a matter of one staying healthy, and, and two, doing enough things away from the puck where the coach could trust you, giving you the minutes to put you in a situation where you, let's say, can play next to a Matt Barzell and score you know a bunch of goals. So I, I certainly think, yes, he's absolutely capable. It's on him about his, to, to whether or not how serious he is about, honestly, similar to Alexis Lafreniere, how serious he is about his you know, taking his offseason training seriously, his conditioning um, and, you know, doing the right things away from the puck. If he if he does all that, I think he has a lot of offensive talent, especially when shooting the puck. So, yes, I, I, I think it's a round. I think he's capable of scoring 20 goals. It's just a matter of if he could put it all together and do what he has to do during the course of an offseason and, and during the season to to stay effective.
0: Just to mention this, Anthony. I just got the update on the, on the topic just now. Ridiculous. So, so it's the, it, it's, that's Apple screwing that one up. Phil, do you think Alvin oh, Wallstrom is a 20 goal scorer next year?
1: It's actually tough. Cause really, I, I, I think it comes down to what Anthony said about and the game away <laughs> from the puck is the biggest thing for me. Does he have the drive and the motivation to improve himself away from the puck to keep himself in the lineup? Because it doesn't matter if it's if it's Trot or Lambert. It just it seems like he doesn't give the effort that you need away from the puck to really keep himself at this level. I mean, he's naturally talented. His shot is ridiculous, but that that alone's not gonna get you by. Like I I I look at Oliver Wallstrom in the same light that I look at Ellie Tolban. In Seattle. I mean, he was a top prospect in Nashville for all those years. it's was one of the best prospects outside of the uh, outside of the NHL. Was a guy that everyone looked at as one of the better shooters out there, a guy who had an elite level NHL shot. The rest of his game just did not round up into form. And Nashville, they just they finally had enough of it. And they said, Oh, we're just gonna waive you. Because you're, you, you apparently need a change of scenery. So it goes to Seattle, and it looks like he's taken the next step forward in his career. And he's helped Seattle become a better team. They've helped him become a better player. So I, I would say that Oliver Wallstrom needs to take a note from Tolanen, and he needs to really improve the rest of his game. His skating, his defensive play, his overall hockey smarts, he needs, to, he needs to sit down and really take hockey seriously this offseason. Uh, hi, Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco. I would say the same for you, too, as well. And
2: and mind you, one I thing to add.
0: Like Lafreniere, by the way. Anthony, yeah, sorry.
2: One thing to add about that is he, he tore his ACL. So, in his exit interview, he said that he's going to be ready for training camp and you know he's he's just gonna work on getting his knee back and really strong. So that's something else that he's gonna have to work through this off season. Is he's gonna be coming off that injury, and you know he's he's really got to He's really got to train really hard to make sure that um, he's good to go and that that's behind him. Because another thing is when you carry ACL, have a serious injury like that, sometimes it's a mental thing where you think it's gonna happen again, and you maybe don't. You maybe don't do – you're scared to kind of do some things on the ice and yeah. and also when it comes to training. So um, he's, he's got a tough road ahead for him as offseason. Hopefully he can get in the right mindset and, and come back ready to go.
0: Hopefully it's all about the make or break stuff that maybe that motivates him a little bit more. It's just a major year uh, for him. It, it is. And question is, can the Islanders it's actually here. use him properly? He's the other guy. I'm, I'm still not certain. certain that the Islanders – have that spot for him. I'm going to go beer on this guys. Cause I think this guy is capable of doing it. That's the best way to say it, but I don't think, I don't think that's good. I just, I'm not sure if he's going to, uh, and if we have time, I'll go back to Anthony's topic that he sent to me. Um, so the Toronto Maple Leafs guys eliminated this week in five games by the Florida Panthers. They now have the longest cup drought in NHL history Passing the New York Rangers at 54 years. Toronto needs to move one of their big four. And, Philk, start with you. <sighs> yep. <Way up. laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Oh like, come on, man. <laughs> and, you know, and you know I said this too previously, that heads needed to roll in Toronto if, if they lost. Yeah. And yeah, I know. I don't think mean, there's going to be enough heads rolling in the first round. But then they, they got killed in the second round. They got killed in the second round. They were almost a complete no show. This team hasn't really gotten anywhere. What's the difference? Oh, they, they won a series because they won that last game. They won that game seven. You know, no. Head, things need to change in Toronto. Thing, they, that culture, you want to talk about the Rangers players being at fault for their loss? You know what? It's it's not Keefe. It's it's Dubis and the culture. Oh, Babcock, you know Babcock supposedly bullied them. I don't know all the stories about that, but that team is soft. They've brought in so many different players. They brought in Ryan O'Reilly, Chari, Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe, and they they're still got bounced. With all that grit, depth, and toughness added to this team, they still got bounced, and they didn't even put up a fight against the team that barely made it into the playoffs. And yeah, I get they beat Boston, but look at that team and their depth and what they're getting from Paul Maurice as opposed to what they have in Toronto, that roster, and the lack that they got from it. Uh, I I just, I, I don't understand how this team has not made a complete culture change. I kind of hope that Austin Matthews gets dealt because I want to see things change in Toronto. I really do. I, I hope Matthews gets dealt at this point. or Mar- <clears throat> But I don't think Marner's getting dealt. I think Matthews will because I, I think that they're going to avoid a Tavares Islanders situation. They're going to take note from the Islanders and they're going to move in preemptively.
0: Anthony? Yeah, it's it's
2: around. I mean, the only thing it feels really kind of, was spot on. The only thing I can add is I I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be Nylander that that gets that gets moved. Um, I know, you know, and I, I learned my lesson on this. So but Leaf fans are saying, oh, well, you know, all of them said the right thing on breakup day. You know, like Nylander said, he wants he, he wants to be here. Matthew said he wants to be here. Um, you know, Tavares said the same thing about the Islanders. Oh, I love it here on breakup day, the, the season before he left. I want to come back. So Matthew said that and all. But I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything right right now I mean it it no, doesn't no, it doesn't, doesn't. With, with that said though i I mean, I do still kind of lean that he might resign I think, and Marner, I think is too good to move um and Tavares has that no movement clause. I don't think there's any shot in hell at Tavares waves his no movement no. clause and, no. And yeah they even they asked him that in his exit interview, and that's and that's when he said like you know, what would you do if management approached you to waive your no movement clause? Like, Oh, well, you know, I committed seven years here. I love it here. Take being the captain seriously. I just don't think they can, I I don't think they can convince him to waive it. So that realistically leaves William Nylander. I mean, he's coming off a great year. He's only got one year left on his deal too. So they may be fearful how that negotiation might go. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they do have to move one of the big four and I think Nylander is the guy to do it. Um, and I think he can return a pretty good defenseman if they wanted to do a you know Hall for Larson type of move with with Nylander. Um, I mean, as a hockey fan, as Phil mentioned with Matthews, I mean it would be more fun to see a huge move like that with Matthews getting traded. Um, and if he gives any indication that he might not sign, I think they, <laughs> I think they have to move him. I just happen to think that um, he probably will sign, and Nylander is the guy that goes. But. Oh boy, do I wish it's do I wish it's Matthews who gets traded. That would be some good musty TV. I, I got
0: to tell you, that would be great for us because we know that that stream probably will get a thousand viewers or so. But, yeah. uh, And and even though we're not a Toronto stream, but I also did this so that way I could plug the hats and say this is a hat trick. Don't forget to look for your Big Apple hockey hats. But the thing I have to say about this is they're going to move Nylander and then that's going to be it. It's better if they move Matthews or somebody like that. This team needs a major overhaul. They need a major kick in the ass. And I I can't imagine I'd ever say the words if I was Kyle Dubas. I traded Austin Matthews. But you they, they're gonna have to do something major. It's gotta be one of those guys. What are they what is this team doing? This team should have gotten over the hump when they basically guaranteed a Canadian team was gonna make it to the conference semifinals and then to the Stanley Cup final. They've, they basically had so many guarantees for the Maple Leafs to make a Stanley Cup final. Just, and, and, and then Boston loses. Everybody's going, well, they did say we want Boston, and then they said we want Florida after that. But this, uh, this is an organization. It, it's, it's almost like mystery diagnosis on the Discovery Channel or an episode of House. Patient <laughs> is sick. What is wrong? You have to fix this? You might have to tear it all down. You might have to do that because you really think Wall is going to be the, the franchise goalie everybody says that they're no. going to be? Maybe no. step forward. They can take a big step forward. They could easily take a step back to being mediocre. They still have to go through Boston next year. Who knows what Boston's going to be? I don't think running the same team out there is going to be the answer. And apparently you, you got Florida who right now looks like they're, they might be the team to be. Because we're going to get more into them. But first, got to talk about this one. The Edmonton Oilers were eliminated in six games by Vegas. Edmonton needs to make a major move. Guys, I'm saying this is a And when I say a major move, I think they have to look into possibly dealing Leon Drysaddle. Oh no shot. know they got- no shot. Man. The hell doing that well he's making 8.9 million or 8.5 million dollars he's only got i think a couple of years left on that deal you can get a haul for him right now and be competitive that's my you, take you you could but
2: I, I don't know i don't know how you justify trading trading leon Dreisot. I, I think he's i think he's the second best player in the world and i think there's a wow. significant gap between 2 and 3 uh, i i don't I get he's what two I think he's two years away from free agency and McDavid's three, but I don't I, I think first off, I think McDavid would be steamed if they traded Leon dry that's one. Um
0: depends two, on who you get that.
2: No, but not, not even who you get I mean I understand McDavid understands it's a business, but still, I mean Dreysidal is his running mate. I, I think they're no, I, I just don't see any shot in how they trade Leon Dreysidal. Um I think it would be. I think it would be a huge mistake because they want to compete right now, right? Okay, so you mm-hmm. want to compete right now. Yeah. So when you trade Leon Dreisidel, the team that's acquiring him, they're going to probably want to give up, you know, younger players and and prospects. Like, I, I don't see a Leon Dreisidel for David Pasternak trade. You know, that's not in the card. So I think. I think. I don't. I don't know. I, I Mark, I love you, but I disagree entirely. I don't think. So- trading- Oh, that's
0: that. that's what I'm saying with that. Okay. But by the way, okay. so let, me, let me, let's, me.
1: let's establish the parameters here, since you were very vague with this. Edmonton mm-hmm. needs to make a major move, or does Edmonton need to trade
0: Leon Drysidle? Is what you're no? Asking. Edmonton needs, needs needs to make a major move. Most okay, is Leon so,
1: so a major move is a round but it's not in the sense that you're talking about right now from your perspective. It's in the sense that they need to go out and they need to go get another big, I I would say another top four defenseman, preferably a top two. Because with Darnell Nurse out in that game, their lack of defensive depth got exposed big time. And I, you know what? And I said it. As soon as I found out that both Petrangelo and Nurse were not playing in that game, I said Edmonton was screwed. Edmonton was screwed because they have zero depth after Echol. Their defense is just not that good. It's really not. So they need another legitimate top four defenseman, preferably a top pairing defenseman. They need to move on from Kyler Yamamoto. Kyler Yamamoto was pathetic in the playoffs. Evander Kane was pathetic in the playoffs. Uh, it, it just, it, these guys are taking up too much. Uh, uh, Yamamoto, I, I think he's an RFA, I believe. If, if
0: I could be wrong there, because I, I haven't. I Actually, uh, hey, uh, Phil, I got the cap friendly open for them. I'll give you that one. So, it, yeah. Yamamoto I, is an RFA after next season.
1: After next season. Next, okay. So, Yamamoto has one year left on his current deal than an RFA, I would look to move him. I would look to try to get defensive depth for him. I know you're not going to get a ton, but they need – they absolutely need to get uh, defense for him. Uh, He's just not the answer in that top six. He seems like more of a complimentary guy that just – he kind of just goes as the guys on his line go. He's not a play driver of any sort. Uh, And Ryan Nugent Hopkins – For a 100-point showing in the regular season, one goal and 11 points in, what, 14 games in the postseason? Pathetic. Pathetic. Not what you expect from a 100-point player in in the regular season. Leon Dreisaitl, he should shoulder some of that blame, too. I know that everybody's not going to say, oh, well, that's a guy that was up there in playoff points. He was one or two in playoff points. Where was he in the final five uh, in the final four games of that series?
0: I'll tell you where yep. he had one point, he had one assist in those final four games. One assist, and better yet, Phil, he got caught buck watching on March or so, who tapped in the go-ahead goal.
1: Yeah, so a guy that's actually pretty good defensively, actually underrated defensively, I should say, didn't really play great defense in all that series. So, um, I mean, I see this right here from Lauren trade R&H and you have the cap space to get some more defense. Yes, that is relatively true. But that production on that cap hit, it, it's going to be very hard to replace that. Again, mm-hmm. I think 100 points is an outlier. I think he goes back to a 70-point player, maybe maybe 80 if he's lucky. we're just $5 million. Hours. But for what you're getting for $5 million is insane. That's insane for that type of, for, uh, for that cap hit. So I don't know if I'd want to deal with that guy because that, again, that you're not getting enough cap dealt to, to really address the
0: full issue at hand. So. Now, again, I pointed out now, again, I wouldn't think about trading dry saddle, but you have him for two more years, 8.5 million. You can get a haul and you can still be able to compete for a Stanley cup. That's just my take. Anthony, under those parameters, what do you think?
2: Well, yeah, it's 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 a round. They need to make they need to make a major move um, that doesn't include Leon Drysidal. I think I think they need more. Honestly, Phil is right. They need the they need defense, but I think they need they need more scoring. They need more support. Um, you know, Nugent Hopkins, he had a great year, 100 points, but previous to that, his career. year, was 18 19 he had 69 points last year he had 50 points albeit 63 games but so it's probably an outlier you know so if he let's Mm -hmm. say goes back to his norm um you know that could that could really hurt them i think they need another real solid top six forward i mean i know their cap state situation i'm not exactly sure how they make it work but they could use an alex to brink it to come in there and help them out um get more support scoring I, I just think they need another
0: top six. There's somebody
1: players. on that team, too, that's pretty familiar with Alex DeBrinkett.
0: But on the other hand, got, oh, who is it? Connor McDavid. They played yeah. together in junior. <clears throat> okay. But I do have to say this, Phil. They got $90 million up against the cap right now. Um, I'm oh, trying to time. look we'll up. Nugent Hopkins, else. by the way, with that
1: no-movement clause.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's got a 10-team no-move clause, by the way. No, he's got a full. He's got a full, buddy, looking right at it. Okay. Him. All right, well, that's the other question, too. I, I just don't know where the Edmonton Oilers go from here, guys. I just don't. They, they, they tried to upgrade in their goaltending, and I say that loosely with Jack Campbell. By the way, we're talking about the hockey that is being played in just a second. Uh, They, they, they tried to do that with Campbell and – I, I, I just don't know what they do. Stuart Skinner's next year? You really think Stuart Skinner's going to win you a Stanley well, Cup? I don't know. You know,
2: <laughs> you know, you know what's going to be interesting is that there's, there's kind of some speculation already that Connor Hellebuck may not sign an extension with Winnipeg, which would make him
1: –
0: That would be the future move.
2: Winnipeg may have to move him this off, And if that happens, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams lining up for him. But the Oilers should be, should be throwing teams aside to get first in line there because – they got Connor Hellbook. That might be the answer to their, their issues.
0: Good luck moving Jack Campbell. Four years left, five million dollars per, modified no trade clause, and a team modified. Uh, he submits a ten team no trade list. Let me correct that.
1: So there's he'll two teams he could be traded to.
0: Yeah. So, but who's who's lining up to get Jack Campbell at five million dollars per for the next few years? That ain't happening. And then you have to pay Hellbuck buck on top of that. Good good luck, Ken Holland. That's all I have to say about that one. Guys, tomorrow night, the Easter Conference Finals start. The Panthers versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Show of hands, everybody. Who had Carolina versus the Florida Panthers at the Conference Finals? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Florida got only one goal between uh, Matthew Kachuk and Alexander Barkov. In the second round, and they still won in five. They're going to need their big guns to show up in order to beat the Hurricanes. Anthony,
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it's a round. The Hurricanes are one of the stingiest defensive teams in the league. We all know how much they stifle you, and you know Toronto was the furthest thing from that. Uh, the Hurricanes are going to be are going to be a real challenge for them, um, and there are top players like Barkov, Kachuk, taking their time and space away. Um, the way the Hurricanes defend and the way they come at you, um, the Panthers are going to need everybody on board here to to score goals and produce. So this is a round. Phil?
1: Get the damn layup gift out. Hit the layup button. Just, like, yes. It, what, I, how – what are they, they not going to – They're not going to need Matthew Kachuk to still play like an MVP against a a, a better Carolina Hurricanes team. Are they – is Bob going to – are they going to win with Bobrovsky shitting the bed? I mean, come on. This is – this is just too much of a layup here, man. All right. Um, But, yeah, it's – it's obviously you're going to need your big guys to be your best guys hence why the New York Rangers are no longer playing. Um, and then you, you have guys like Sam Bennett, who have you know been pretty good, uh, Sam Reinhart.
0: Uh, he had one goal in the second round, too.
1: Yeah, and Aaron Ekblad has been just as advertised. I mean, Brandon Montour might be the biggest revelation in hockey with the way that he's played in this postseason and, and this season in general he turned into a top-flight puck mover and now all of a sudden he looks like he's Paul Coffey out there in the <laughs> playoffs. So, um yeah, the Panthers need to keep doing what they're doing, but it's not just that they need, they need their big guns it is they're going to need their work boots. Cuz Carolina is going to force them to play a re- and it's funny because I, I who is um oh, um Steve Goldstein, I think, Carol, uh, Florida's uh, play-by-play guy. He was on uh, NHL Network the other day, and he was talking about the similarities between uh, the Canes and the Panthers in terms of style of play. Um, you know, Paul Maurice being obviously a former two-time Carolina Hurricanes coach. Uh, you know, and just the systems that. He and Rod Brindamore employed with their players in the way that they play very up-tempo, in-your-face type games in which the defenders like to, to pinch in and, and keep the puck going and keep the pressure on the opposition. So, yeah, the, the Panthers more so needing their big guns. They're going to need to play a very smart, sound hockey game, and they're going to need to be quick and accurate in transition to catch Carolina with their pants down. Because as you saw the Rangers do last year, when you do that, when your breakouts are sharp and crisp, you can beat this Carolina team. Even Jersey even gave them trouble at times throughout their games when Jersey's breakouts were really good and their players were going. But the minute that Carolina got their system in place and started playing their game, they took over every game that they were in against against Jersey. And, you know, Anthony, you could obviously test that too against the Islanders. When they get that going and they get that pressure on you, it's real tough for them to get it together off. But if you don't allow them yeah, to play, it's... you can beat that team. So that's what yep. the Panthers really need to do. Paul Maurice is going to have to really, really, really get his team prepared for Rod Brindamore and that system.
0: Jacob Slavin, Jordan Stahl, Sebastian Ajo. The Carolina, and at it, yes, for Fast as well. Uh, and they might even get Tara Vynum back. Yeah, he's pretty good defensive. Tara I they're, think, is going to be playing in this series.
2: Yeah, he is. He's going to be back.
0: Uh, they said he's definitely coming back. I think he might be back yeah. in game one. The I point I'm going to try to make with this one yeah. is, Phil, you said it best. They're going to need their work boots, and their work boots is the third and fourth line. you got to hope that they keep on producing. At the at the the bottom six, Carter Verhage has had such a great playoff, if he can keep that up. I mean, Kachuk has been phenomenal. Look, they're gonna the Panthers are gonna use Barkov to take away some of Carolina's guys because he's an, a sulky level defender. But th- it's, it's gonna come down to can you get shots from the point like Montour has been getting, and just they're gonna have to work hard. Another to be Carolina- what another similarity? The offense from the defense from these two teams, and the shots from. There you go. So that's why I'm going with a beer on this one. I don't think it's a no-brainer. I think it's just they need to they need to make sure that they're just working with their bottom six. That's how you beat the Carolina Hurricanes, because yeah. the the, the Step-on line. I mean, you want to just call that the the uh, used to be really good line? I don't know what you want to call <laughs> that. Like, like because here's another problem with what Carolina has right now, because they've used three goalies. In this playoff run, the Carolina Hur- Hurricanes are going to use one goalie in this series, Phil. Okay, um, I'll apologize.
1: Uh, the last one, now that you put that in that perspective, wasn't as much of a layup as you, as I said it was. So yeah, um, I'll apologize for that. <laughs> that one, we'll do a filk messed up for that one. Uh, then, we don't have uh, a
0: Filk or Anthony messed up button.
1: No, and then the the to line as. Patrick is now calling them. I like oh, them. They the the used to learn They used to like Yeah. So um, it's actually a tough one. Uh, I am going to go with beer. I am kind of inclined to say shot because I think at some points in this series, I think both of these teams are going to go to their, uh, their backup goalies. Just because – and not necessarily to start, but to bring them in because I think some of these games are going to be one-sided to the point where one team gets their defensive game flowing and shuts down the other team and then scores a bunch of goals on the other team. I think we're going to see some weird scores that we're not going to expect in this series.
2: Anthony. Yeah, I was going to have a question. Are you – so does like – a team getting – does the Hurricanes getting blown out and pulling their goalie count? Because then if that's that – if counts. that's so then if that's the case, then shot. I think there's going to be a game where, you know, Anderson gets – you know, maybe allows in three or four and they decide to make a goalie change momentum. I think that's almost inevitable. So um, the Panthers can, can have a lot of forwards that can hurt you. Um, so this is a shot for me.
0: I'm only going to go beer because I don't know if the Panthers have a score or, or the ability to run it up on these guys the way that certainly they certainly do. do. I think, yeah. I know, I know think that they, they do. But they do. haven't done it really in the in the postseason. They haven't really uh, done it as much. Carolina better hope that that they go go one goalie. It probably could be Freddie Anderson. But I understand it sort of doesn't matter. Carolina, uh, Carolina plays such a good four-check system and they back-check well that it almost doesn't matter who's in net. And they're using every single player on their roster if they're going to try to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Team, team this speed. is – but yeah, yeah, and great team speed. But Sergey Bobrovsky was the only goalie that played every minute of his team's games in the, in the second round. And the Panthers got to hope that he still drank that, it, hey, Sergey Bobrovsky 2019 elixir. That he's got. I mean, Phil and I right now are playing through Legends of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. You took when he was first coming up with Philly, and then his first year in Columbus, and then his last year in Columbus. They blended that all together in the cookie pot, and he just drank it somewhere in around game five versus the the Bruins, and then suddenly he remembered. He, there's a reason why he got paid ten million dollars. But it's 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 amazing. Carolina hasn't been that good as in, in net. You're going to see the Freddie Anderson soft goal. This is the, the soft goal for Bronta. and God only knows where you're going to get out of Kochekov. So, that's where I think Carolina's weakness is, and that's where I'm concerned for them because this team, this this team should have should have made a Stanley Cup finals again by now. They haven't. Been. But also, by the way, guys, how about the the uh, Paul Maurice? coaching against Rod Brindamore, who we had as the captain of the Hurricanes back in 2002. Somebody's microphone is noisy in the background. Uh, I don't think what? it's BAM. I don't think, I think do? it's BAM. I think it's BAM. It's a little bit. But, what? I'll uh, we'll get a little bit of background noise from you. I
2: don't have any
0: background. Right. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Well – The Western Conference Finals, guys, starts Friday night, Dallas going to Vegas. And one guy that I watched in the last series, Jack Eichel, uh, in these playoffs, six goals, eight assists, 14 points, plus seven. And what I can tell you is, and if you watch that last five minutes, he was all over the place defensively. And I, I, I was impressed. Jack Eichel showing that he's a complete player, and I'm buying around on this. Like, he is doing everything it takes to win right now for Vegas. I'll turn it over to you, Phil.
1: It's not that Jack Eichel was never a complete player. It's it just when he was there in Buffalo, Buffalo was there. And I, I, I don't think that Jack Eichel – I think he's really stepped up his game. Um, I, I always said that if Eichel got to the playoffs – the type of player that Eichel is and I think that's just basically what we're looking at right now especially on a better team more depth more options around him he's he's definitely a complete player um I I wouldn't say he's a a a high level complete player like a high level two-way guy like a a Bergeron or someone like that not nowhere close to that but Jack Eichel is not a terrible defensive player like Some have perpetrated a narrative of over the years, so I I just yeah, Eichel showing is more of Buffalo than it was himself, and yeah, I I do Mm -hmm. agree with this, definitely agree with this. But uh, I will uh, I will actually head it over to I guess Anthony at this point. All right,
2: bye. Around, yeah, I'll go, I'll go around. Um, I agree with Phil, he's not. Patrice Bergeron or Andre Kopitar or, you know, uh, Barkov, like that. But he's, you know, he's no slouch in the defensive zone. And you can see that, you know, he has the drive. He's playing playoff hockey. Um, and, you know, he's he's hungry. And he, he, you're seeing it in his play in really all areas of the ice, um, especially in the last couple of games of last round. So, um, yeah, this is this is a round for me. Almost almost a layup, but um, not quite. But, yeah, it's
0: a round. <laughs> Well, here's this one might be a little bit of a layup, but I don't think it is. Pete oh, DeBoer God. is going to take his fourth team to a conference finals, New Jersey, San Jose, and Vegas. Pete DeBoer doesn't get enough respect, and I'm also going to flash his coaching records right now. Anthony, I'll start it with you.
2: I mean, when you look at his record and and – some of the trips he's had to the to conference finals and such. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard not to say round, but um, you know, I think with the is he's not, he's, he's not like a, he's, he's a player, he, he's a player's coach, but he also, he also kind of employs good identity and systems for whatever team he's coaching. Um, and it also seems like the, from, like, from what I've seen him on TV and watching the teams he coached, seems like the players really respect him too. And I think that goes a long way. Um, you know, when you're, when you, as a player, when you really believe in the system that your coach is putting out there and you like him as a person and a coach, it makes it easy to go out there and throw your body in line by blocking shots and doing what you're told to do. Um, and I think for Deborah, I think he kind of has all of that um, mixed in there with his style. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go around. Um, I'm going to go around here. First, I, I kind of convinced myself first. I was going to go beer, but um, yeah, I'm going to go around on that.
1: Phil. I'm going to go shot. I, I, you know what? You're, you're talking about this guy as uh, – and I understand it. everybody's talking about conference finals appearances. Uh, and I know he went to a Stanley Cup final and, and <laughs> they lost in 2012 last year. But it's – I think his track record kind of speaks for itself. It's spotty. It seems like it's all or nothing for this guy. Like when it, 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 people used to say the same thing about the New York giants. When they got to the playoffs, they went all the way with Eli Manning and they had those two really deep runs. And then they had the run where they were out early. But um, I, I, I think that people regard him as a good coach, not a great coach, and I, I think that's what he is. I think he's a good coach that can get you there. But I don't know if he has what it takes to win the dance. And the problem with him is when he goes to a team, he goes there that first year, and they're really good that first year or those first couple of years. And then everything falls apart after that. It's almost like the message gets lost with him. So uh, – yeah, the, the Mario basically, literally just, I, I actually just saw this, I'm sorry, I didn't even see your comment, but yeah, it it's on the money, Mario, um, it's just that first year or two, is there, great, and then everything else after that is just, you know, just you're waiting for the, the nosedive, but... By the I, way, great to
0: see Mario live.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, but... I would say, if anything, uh, I I think he gets enough respect. I I think he's well-respected around the league. I don't think of him as a great, great coach. Uh, I I do think of him as somebody who you – I will say this. Pete DeBoer can get a lot out of a little. Like, we saw that with the 2012 Devils. Like, that team was Cole, Chuck, Parise, and what else? Brodor like a fading Brodeur. so
0: A I, fading I, Brodeur, Marek
1: Uh Like yeah. Ryan Carter
0: had a great series.
1: Yeah. So, I I mean, he does get a lot – he can get a lot out of a little. So, I, I do think of him as a good coach. I, I just – I don't know if I'm going to view him in the light that we're trying
0: to view him in right now. You ever hear the expression um, that – Somebody is just rated. They're not overrated. They're not underrated. They're rated. He's exactly rated where he needs to be. Pete DeBoer is. And in our season preview shows, I always said Pete DeBoer in year one and two, his teams are always fantastic. And then it gets to uh, like year three or year four and they collapse. So I'm going to go with a beer on this because he gets results his first two years. It's just his message. Wears out quick, and then it's, he's got to go.
2: Can't hear you.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't hear Mark either. Yeah, Mark. Can you? Can you guys hear me and Anthony? Otherwise, yeah. in the chat,
2: I can. I can hear you, Phil.
1: No, I know you can, but I'm just saying that oh. everyone else hear us in the chat can hear no, Anthony. Yeah, I, Mark was having audio issues before. That's why we started, partially why we started late. Yes, we are experiencing technical difficulties right now. Um, I'll pick up for Mark, though, but um, I, I think Mark is right when he said he's rated. He's rated justly. I think he's rated pretty justly, and that's what I was getting at. I'm not trying to slam Pete DeBoer. I don't think he's a yeah. – I, I just think that he's rated justly. Um, I think people are – pray fair in the way that they talk about him. And I think until he wins the big one or, you know, he, he gets teams that are consistently good after the first couple of years, then I, I, I think we can talk about him the way that we're talking about him now. And then when the situation improves, we can revisit that uh, discussion. Uh, but I will go and I'll take over for talk here.
0: All so, right. Uh, just making sure you can hear me now. No. Yeah. I can hear you now. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Because that was, yeah, Phil, go ahead to the next question.
1: All right. So, in Phil taking over Bar Talk, moving on from that. So, I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, things are not looking good in Arizona right now, as you could see in Anthony's little uh, title, <laughs> because. The Tempe uh, board voted down the Arizona Coyotes arena proposal. So it looks like uh, taxpayers and everybody were not happy about uh, having to pay probably upwards of hundreds of millions to help fund that arena. So um, if the Coyotes relocate, Salt Lake City should be the destination. And Mark, are you with us? or?
0: I'm with you. Oh, okay. Right. So, I'm actually gonna. Uh, right.
1: since, since you're in Arizona right now, I'm gonna throw this one to you
0: first. <laughs> uh, I'm actually gonna go the. I'm gonna go beer. As I think Houston should be the destination if you're gonna try a new major city. Uh, Texas hockey has been a star staple since 1994, and uh, they could use another team down there. Do you guys know what team travels the most miles every NHL season? The Dallas, Dallas Stars, the Dallas Stars. So that would definitely kind of cut into that a little bit. So I would say Houston, but with, there's still hope down here in Arizona that they actually get the Tempe Stadium done. Anthony, I'm gonna
2: go. I'm gonna go round actually. I think I like Salt Lake City um, as a better option than Houston. And Houston, I know in terms of like the market, I know Houston's one of the biggest cities in. You know North America, the United States, um, so they got that going for him. But uh, something about Salt Lake City, I, I I like the I like the idea of it. I think it I think it's um, you know they have the Jazz there, which it seems like the Jazz owner is pretty enthusiastic. I read that he he actually already had a meeting with Bill Daly and Gary Bettman, um, and even in commented on like, on Twitter saying like in motion, in motion,
1: yeah, he literally those were his words verbatim in that yeah. week.
2: Yeah, so it seems like he's excited about it. Um, and I think the NHL, their main thing, aside from obviously, you know, market and interest, they want they want uh, an owner that's enthusiastic and excited about bringing hockey to their state or region, what have you. Um, and I think they'd work good there. They'd be able to stay in the Central Division, um, just slot right in. Um, you know, obviously, it'd be a new, they wouldn't, I'm sure they wouldn't stay the Coyotes. They'd probably be called Salt Lake something. It just generates excitement. Um, and I think it would be, Good for hockey. I know Gary Bettman has viewed the Coyotes as his child, basically, always re- refusing to let him go anywhere. But um, he might not have a choice now. Uh, it seems like it's down to either convincing the Suns owner, what is his name, Matt Ashiba, to agree to, you know, renovate the arena for the, for the Suns to retrofit it for hockey, or even buy the team. Which, from what I read, I don't I don't think he's very interested in that. Um, And really the other option is like similar with the Islanders owners. Uh, You know, Wong tried the referendum, it got voted no, and then eventually the new Islanders owners paid out of pocket and built the arena. Could the Coyotes owners go that route, pay for it themselves? They could, but I don't know how deep their pockets are or their willingness to do that is. So, unfortunately, I think the clock is running out here on hockey in Arizona, and I think, yeah, it was announced they're going to play in Arizona this year. But playing in a college arena with no long-term future arena in sight or even maybe plausible, they're going to be a lame duck. They'll be there one more year this year, and then they're going to be gone. So just the way I see it.
1: And I'll step in. Um, I do like Salt Lake City a lot as a destination. Um, Hosted the 2002 Winter Olympics. The hockey was played there. Gold medal game between the USA and Canada. That Canada ended up winning after USA took a lead. Funny enough, um, I I think that uh, Salt Lake City is is a good option. It, it I, I believe it could end up being a good hockey town. There's a lot of winter sports done there: snowboarding, skiing, all done there. Utah, I, I think Utah could use a sport. I think it's also in a good area, so you could kind yes. of keep them out that way, and you wouldn't you wouldn't throw off the balance of the divisions and everything like that it would be good. So I, I'm gonna go beer here just because I do like the idea of Houston. Um, the arrows have a lot of history. Move them to Quebec and then move Detroit to the Central. The the Detroit Red Wings would never go for that. Yeah, they they were in the West for so long, and they Mm -hmm. wanted to be in the East because all their games were starting at seven o'clock because they're Eastern time, and everybody else in their division was eight o'clock and and and, or a conference, I should say, and they were eight o'clock and beyond. So. Detroit does not want to go back to the West. I can tell you that right now, they do not.
0: So, um, and by the way, one thing about Salt Lake City is that there, you could sell it with the Olympics and the turnout that they had from that. And it looks like it, it looks like Salt Lake City would be a good option. But like there's still possibilities that they're exploring here in Arizona, and Bettman doesn't want to relinquish it. Again, I've said it before, this is a failure of every politician and city planner. Why would they put the stadium in Glendale as beyond me?
2: Another one with Quebec. The league the league doesn't want to go back to Quebec, even though they're a rabid hockey fan base, and they got an arena there. Um, they're scared off by the American, by the Canadian dollar, and also the size of Quebec as a market in the city itself. Um, I, don't, I don't see them going to Quebec anytime soon, to be honest with you. As much as I'd love to see it. I don't think it's happening.
1: I, I think honestly, I think Quebec has a more realistic chance than some of the other areas that have been floating around, but... who is playing Star Wars right now or watching Star Wars? <laughs> that's awesome. that's on my end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say you can hear that pretty damn loud. So Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, so I'll go back to my earbuds. Yeah. Um, I would say, if anything, I, I do like Houston, but I, I do think Quebec is more realistic than I think you're giving credence to, Anthony. I, I, I get the concerns about it, but I also think that the NHL understands that you're going to need to have another, tra- you know, a traditional hockey market. Um, the only other thing that I could see in Canada would be maybe another team somewhere in Ontario.
0: All right. And we have one more for the bar talk. Speaking of. Yeah. I didn't know. This, and- yeah. You, yeah,
1: you just added, I just saw that. Okay. Here we go. Yeah.
0: Cause that's where I did realize I made my mistake. Uh, yeah. Cause so- I still can't believe I'm talking about this. Uh, Snoop Dogg and Ryland Reynolds have been competing uh, bids for the Ottawa senators. Snoop Dogg has recently come out and said, we would gladly accept Ryan Reynolds as a partner if he's interested, if he doesn't win the bid. The NHL needs Ryan Reynolds to be involved in the Senators, Anthony.
2: Well, for Mark, do you know I, I just saw the other day there was announced that the Ryan Reynolds and his group are no longer are no longer a um They're not going
0: with their bid, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, because then they did lose out. So yeah. I, I didn't update that. I was flying yesterday.
2: Yeah. So they're 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 out,
0: but okay. And he's and he's not going to be involved in any way.
2: I mean, I haven't I, don't, I haven't heard about him jumping with any other group, but uh, so I mean, I, I gotta say no at this point.
0: Okay, yeah. well then it's it, just a topic it, of conversation, guys. But
2: I mean, as for the question, needs to. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be cool to have a celebrity backed as as a you know ownership group of an NHL team, but I wouldn't say they they need it, but um it would have been cool but again it's not a necessity uh so i don't know i mean i don't Is snoop Dogg's, i, I don't even know what what group he's part of but I, I don't even know if his group is in the running right now either i don't i don't i don't know what the name of his group investment group is but um i even saw at one point the rock the rock was part of a backing from one of the uh, one of the bids too with some group so it's yeah, seems like a lot of celebrities were, were up to, getting, to get their hands on the Ottawa Senators. But uh, it seems like it won't be Ron Reynolds, though, whether you like it or not.
0: I think they really could have used him because I think he's great at marketing. Libby's he's done already with Mint Mobile. He's a Canadian kid. Like, I mean, Rexham. sort of like how when Mario – What? Rex FC. Him and Rob McElhaney. It's a soccer yeah. club that they own. Okay. Yeah, they had the, the documentary that was on FX about them. And the NHL really used him, And I was, I was kind of rooting for him the same way Lemieux got controlling interest in the defense. So it would have been nice to have because, you know, him showing up at games and him doing work with the NHL would have been great. Okay, guys. Uh, so that is the end of Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk. We we're gauging our confidence on HL topics based on just a drink. All right, so we're going to take some of your your what? questions, and uh, I only got a few more minutes myself, guys. But you guys can always go on yeah. without me.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to go myself because
1: I've got i I've got to eat and stuff, and I've got some stuff I've got to do. So I do apologize. I got to
0: bounce out. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because unfortunately, I have my niece's graduation that I have to attend. So, and obviously, all my technical issues that I guys. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. It, it would have been, been nice to have Ryan Reynolds in there too. So Snoop, uh, Snoop, any other Snoop Dog
1: is
2: uh, Snoop Dogg is part of the ownership group led by um, Nico Sparks. So that's that's the group that he's part of.
0: Okay, so is that who won the bid?
2: No, no one, no one won the no bid, bid yet. The no, bid, one, yeah. no one no. won it yet. Right. No, It just said who's like out.
0: I can't believe that I'm even discussing Snoop Dogg potentially owning a hockey team well, and being I tell- very interested in it.
1: Ryan Reynolds would have been perfect because Ryan Reynolds knows business and knows how to advertise, and the NHL is terrible at promoting its products. So Ryan Reynolds would have came in and would have done a hell of a lot of good. It's a name that everyone in America knows. If everyone knows that Ryan Reynolds is is owning a hockey team, I honestly, I I wouldn't even want him with the Canadian team. I would want him if the Arizona Coyotes relocate, and it, it, it's there, there's or or there's another expansion team in the U.S. I want Ryan Reynolds on that ownership group because I I, I believe that. That would do a lot for for hockey for whatever team that is that gets, uh, you know, a new team.
2: So the 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 Rock is part of the Snoop Dogg group with that guy Nico Sparks.
1: Oh, geez, wow, yeah, that's that's
2: some okay.
0: Big, that's some big guns in that group.
2: Yeah. yeah
0: now, Rock just a, just to hockey. mention this one. Yeah, uh, Superdawg's been wearing been a hockey. hockey jerseys since the '90s. Yep, right, but yeah, a lot of guys really it more fan. for chin. I know he did. He did the the hockey terms video, but still, I mean, actually owning a team, I still never no. thought I'd ever see the day.
1: Yeah, he's actually a hockey fan. I, I mean, it, it, I know, yes, in the '90s, um, part of hockey. Um, or part of uh, fashion sense back then, fashion culture, was hockey jerseys. They were big in the 90s, but um, they, it, Snoop's actually somewhat of a fan.
0: That's good. I mean, I'd rather have a guy that's an actual fan. I know salt and Peppa used to wear uh, uh, Devil's jerseys, but I'm guaranteed they couldn't name a single player on it. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, so Mark. I mean I, I could try to I could try to make another joke, but I'd only push it real good. Anthony? Oh god. Stop who right. uh,
2: who says no? Willie Nylander for Zach straight up. Oh no, that's an
0: interesting one. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting one. We have to have a good who says no again soon.
1: I and would probably. free agency, this because Nylander
0: only coaching has one decisions.
1: year his deal. Yeah, Nylander's only got one year left on his deal after this season. Wierenski. I'm trying to look on how long. Wierenski's got five years after this one. By the way, uh, guys, who do you but have? But I think Zach Wierenski says no. I don't know, but Zach Wierenski gave him it got a no movement clause in his deal. And the, the next four years a no movement clause, full no movement clause, and then the next, the, the last year in twenty twenty eight as a ten team trade list. So I mean, he must really <laughs> like it in Columbus if he gave himself a no movement clause. He's
2: also he's also coming off a torn shoulder, so I wonder if that would that would make Toronto be the one that says no.
0: I also Brantley think- nine point eight three million.
1: I also don't think that he's the type of defenseman Toronto needs. They need an uh, they need a petrangelo.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah.
0: So by right. the way, by a narrow margin in our poll today, a lot of people are picking Panthers versus Stars. You guys, what do you got?
1: I would Is like to see fun? Panthers
0: versus Stars. Oh. Um, yeah, cup final.
2: I think Hurricanes versus the Golden Knights.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, it's it's mean, pretty honestly, split, even twenty seven percent, twenty five percent, and and a twenty two percent.
2: I think I think that Stars Golden Knights series is honestly a toss up. I really do. It's. Um, I think it's gonna be a good series. I hope it's a long series, but I think it has potential to be pretty damn good. And I'm just surprised that the Golden Knights are in the conference finals with Aiden Hill as their goalie. I mean and before that Lauren Brosois. Yeah. I mean, it just just kinda of, I mean, it kinda of makes you say to yourself, you know, do you really need that elite goalie to to go really far?
0: Yeah. I'll uh, still take Andre Vazilevsky <laughs> over everyone. <laughs> so I'm actually going to go Knights versus uh, Panthers. I think Panthers just are on that magic run and it, it's going to keep going. Yeah. And by the way, uh, wouldn't that, that be a way out, for bro. Bruce Cassidy to give the middle finger to Boston? Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to bounce out, though. I will see all of you guys later. Uh, yeah we're actually going to wrap it up today guys yeah. we have had a lot of uh, technical difficulties you guys everybody, thank you very much i am go- I'm off to go see my niece uh, graduate from high school, and it is always a great show and uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care everybody.